confidently as our Father in heaven. And over the last two church at prayer evenings, David and Andrew have both helped us to understand the first two petitions listed in the prayer. Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. Well, tonight we complete the first section of the Lord's Prayer, the section pertaining to God. Notice how the prayer is so far focused on the word your. Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see how that differs from the second half pertaining to our needs, focusing on the word us. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. So let us focus on the third petition today. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're presented with a clear contrast in these few words. On one hand, we have this notion that God's will is done in heaven. And on the other hand we have this notion that God's will is not yet fully done on earth. And that may pose a question to us as to what we're praying for here. As Christians, we believe, of course, that God has a plan for history that he set out before the beginning of the earth. And so if this is true, and God does indeed have a plan, then why should we pray that his will is done? Because if it's in his plan... His will is surely being done anyway. And that may leave some people scratching their heads and thinking that this prayer perhaps is some kind of admission that God's will has only gone according to plan in heaven and not on earth. And so is that the case? And is that the basis for this prayer? Well, to put it simply, no. I don't really believe that this is the case. And nor is that what the prayer is really about. And I think we find evidence for this in several places in the Bible. For example, the book of Daniel in chapter 435 records that the Lord does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? The Lord has a plan for heaven and for earth. It is totally in accordance to his sovereign will. Another example is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, where Paul tells us that the Lord works out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. You see, the Lord is in control. He does have a plan. It's been that way from the beginning, and it will be, continue that way till the end. He works out everything in accordance to his will. And this is sometimes what is called God's secret will of decree. It's secret as in we do not fully know the times nor the exact ways in which God will work. Yes, we know that it involves salvation. Yes, we know that it involves the Lord Jesus suffering for us. And of course we know that it involves the resurrection from the dead and the saving of many. But as for other specifics such as what will happen tomorrow or when the Lord Jesus will return or even knowing the hour in which we shall die, we still do not have that revealed to us and nor is it likely that petitioning God here to know these things is how we should pray. Rather, in this case, we should trust that the Lord's will is always good and just, even though we just do not know all of it yet. Deuteronomy 29.29 29 is helpful for understanding this. 
It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But it doesn't just say that. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. And so whilst there is God's secret will of decree that is beyond our knowledge, the Bible makes it clear that there is also a revealed will from God that is found in the words of Scripture. We as Christians find instruction from these words and they call us to obedience. And this is how we know how God wants us to live our lives. The Bible shows us God will for us. It provides boundaries in which we can live out God-honoring lives characterized by prayer and worship to him. So when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think we should be committing ourselves in wholehearted obedience to God here on earth in the same way that he holds complete obedience to himself in his heavenly dwelling. And I think that this pledge of obedience is best seen in the words of the Lord Jesus, who of course gave us this prayer. Consider his words in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And in doing so, he obeys the Father right up until his death, his very death. Imagine if Christ rebelled against his Father at that point. There'd be no salvation, there'd be no rescue plan, there'd just be death for us all. And so just as Christ gloriously submitted to his heavenly Father, so should we pray in willing obedience to align our will with God's will. If we seek to conform to the likeness of the Son through obedience with the Scripture, then we are taking part in fulfilling God's will for us here on earth, in a way that will reflect our future perfect union in heaven. So what type of person truly desires to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, I think that there are at least uh, three markers that characterize the person willing to submit in obedience to God's will in this way. Firstly, they must be willing to submit completely. Secondly, they must be willing to submit wholeheartedly. And thirdly, they must be willing to submit immediately. Consider King Saul, Israel's first king, recorded in the book of 1 Samuel. And in chapter 15, you may want to look this up if it's helpful, otherwise just listen along. In verses 1 to 3, he is commanded by the word of God through the prophet Samuel to go and completely destroy one of their enemies, the Amalekites, and all their livestock and property. The word revealed to Saul here is very clear. In verses 79, we learn that he sets out and destroys only some of the Amalekites and then keeps their livestock and captures their king. And at this point, we can see that his obedience is only keeping with what suits him. He doesn't desire to destroy the things he likes, and so he only obeys God in part. And then when... Um, Samuel has to confront Paul about his uh, incompleteness. Saul tries to justify himself, saying, oh, well, the best plunder was used as sacrifices to God. But Samuel points out that this is not a legitimate compromise. And he says this, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in 
obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And so we can see that complete obedience is very important to God. Saul's pick and choose approach cost him his place as the chosen king of Israel. And so we, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, must come with a willingness to give our lives completely to God's service. And just as important as submitting in complete obedience to God's will is that we're also wholehearted in our response. What does Jesus tell the Pharisees is the greatest commandment of the law? Well, he tells them this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We need to be spiritually, emotionally and intellectually focused on loving God in keeping with his will. Finally, our obedience to God's will should be immediate. And there are plenty of examples found in the Bible where people's immediate response is commended and rewarded. Consider Abraham. We're told in Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Or consider the disciples, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Jesus commanded them to follow him, and it's recorded, at once they left their nets and followed him. God clearly delights in us taking his will seriously. And when we read of his character and faithfulness in scripture, we should not be frightened to pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a pledge that we, as his chosen children, will submit to his authority and trust in his plans for us. It's a prayer that acknowledges the grace he's already shown us through the Lord Jesus and that he will continue to do in us by his spirit until he returns in glorious splendor. So let's this evening remember God's love for us and respond in the obedience that we know he delights in.